This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 109, about Gotham, A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 7, A Day in the Narrows. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, detectives. This is Derek, and this is Gotham TV podcast episode 109. We're talking about A Day in the Narrows, episode 7 of season 4 of Gotham. Yes, and welcome back, Piggly Wigglies, as well. Yes, uh, I'm one of your hosts, John. Uh, another Piggy podcast Absolutely. from us today with Professor Pig, obviously being central to a day in the Narrows for Jim uh, and Harvey and the rest of the GCPD. Mm. Yeah, really, uh, really good episode uh, here uh, with a lot of tension and strain, especially between uh, Jim and Harvey. Absolutely. Uh, yes. and, it's, and if you don't know, this is obviously our spoiler-filled thought. So if you haven't seen episode seven of Gotham, go out and watch it and then come back to us. I think if we're not careful, we're going to run out of all of our piggy puns very quickly, unfortunately, John. Definitely, definitely. It is difficult now to start to think of new and interesting pig puns indeed. We'll get there. Um, but of course, to subscribe to um, our podcast, please head on over to Apple Podcasts at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Mm -hmm. You can also search any other hog or swiney uh, podcast catcher. Uh, just search Gotham TV Podcast. And of course, you can head over to our website at gothamtvpodcast.com and go to the subscribe area on the homepage. Uh, and you can pick any of your favorite podcast catchers to listen to the podcast. And of course, as always, share the love please subscribe please rate uh, and please leave a review it is uh, always good to have that feedback from you for the podcast yeah it's probably the easiest way to subscribe to the podcast now is just go to the website as john said and gothamtvpodcast.com because we've got all the links over there much much easier than it used to be uh, including google play which we just got on a couple of weeks ago very excited about that so if you're an android listener and have uh, play music you can subscribe to us through google play now Speaking of sharing the love, I think we uh, we got a few iTunes reviews in the last couple of weeks, John, which is really cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, our first one um, is from Annalise. These detectives not only have the most creative way for rating episodes, but also recap the episode in an enjoyable yet digestible one-hour podcast. The case note method complete the whole detective feel, as well as adding bits of the Batman mythos to enhance the podcast for those of us only familiar with the show. The piece of their podcast I enjoy the most is the feedback portion, because that is the time where fans express their opinions on the episode, and it brings another interpretation of the episode yes thank you so much for that um review there Annalise uh it's really kind of you um and yeah we love the feedback portion as well it's great to get a wealth of views and perspectives on this show absolutely yeah uh, we also got a, a review in from Danny Ray Ray um gave us another five-star review awesome show to get you thinking she says this is not a recap show and for that I'm grateful the guys point out a few key elements from the episode a turning point plot element, character arc, and talk about those in depth. You end up reviewing parts of the show as well as go back to other episodes for parallels. They are thoughtful, which makes it an interesting hour, not filled 
mindless droning and rehashing each scene as it's played out. I enjoy their humour and attention to detail when planning and speaking about the episode. It makes for a super interesting and fun podcast. I don't know any friends that watch the show, so I enjoy spending an hour with the guys to hear another perspective on the episode. And they always leave me with something I hadn't thought about. A wonderful companion to one of my favourite shows. Cheers, lads. Thank you so much. That's really, really kind of you. I really love getting reviews over on iTunes like this to hear from listeners like yourself. Um, Part of the reason we do the podcast is because we know there are some people that watch this show that don't have a circle of friends around them to to talk about it. So always happy to hear from someone that's that's listening to our podcast for that reason. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Danny Ray Ray. It's uh, really nice uh, for any feedback and especially when we get it through the podcast catchers, uh, it really helps us learn and move forward with the podcast. Thank you. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, please feel free. Always love to get the uh, reviews over on iTunes or any of the other good pod- podcast catchers. I think it's on to the episode, John. Yeah, Derek, what do we have with the episode details this week? Well, this episode was directed by John Baring. He's done five episodes of Gotham, or this is his fifth episode of Gotham. Uh, he did two during season three, did All Will Be Judged and The Executioner. And back in season two, he did uh, Wrath of the Villains, This Ball of, of Mud and Meanness. And he also did one of your favorite episodes, John, and back in season one, The Fearsome Dr. Crane. Yes, um, a, a Gotham alumni at this stage uh, being with each season of Gotham so far, so great to see. Yeah, loved a lot of these uh, episodes that John Baring has done, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the episode was written by Peter Blake. This is his first episode of Gotham. He has worked on many, many shows, right back to Private Practice and Ali McBeal. He's done episodes of Hemlock Grove, but I think he's done tons of episodes of the TV show House as well, which is quite interesting. So welcome on board, Peter Blake. Yes, absolutely. From newbie to old B here uh, <laughs> b- behind the camera. But no relation to John Blake from Dark Knight Rises. Um, so he isn't the future Robin or anything like that. It's just the writer of the show. <gasps> oh, you never know. <laughs> so, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Professor Pig continues to strike fear throughout the GCPD with a postal delivery of 44 bloody hogheads, just as three officers go missing in the Narrows. Gordon, Bullock, and the GCPD head into the Narrows to look for clues and hunt down the pig. Elsewhere, Bruce Wayne reconnects with his former friend and reformed former bully, Tommy Elliot. They convince him to come along for a night, as Bruce lets his hair down and goes full-on wild child in his newly purchased nightclub. But back in the Narrows, however, the investigation becomes increasingly tense, as they are joined by the Penguins' men and the Huntsmen. That places further strain on Harvey and Jim's partnership. Following a tip-off, however, and believing to have the hog cornered, the GCPD rush headlong into a killing trap, as Professor Pig shows himself to be a cunning swine and a master of disguise. Meanwhile, Sophia's advice to Penguin falls on deaf ears, and Gotham City's sirens join together to show their strength. Finally, After a long and tough day on the streets of Gotham, Jim's message to uphold the law begins to cut through to the officers and detectives of the GCPD back at the precinct. So very much something that's been coming for a long time between Harvey and Jim here. Really, there's been a lot of tension between these two characters over the last couple of weeks. So um, really interesting to see that play out in this episode. And lots of stuff going on in this episode. I think go to case note number one. Uh, the pig's heads delivered to the GCPD. This, I thought, was a really kind of fun 
What kind of creepy openings are you? Oh, very creepy. Um, one for every cop in the precinct, though, apart from Jim Gordon. So the bullseye is back on his back. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, you can sense everyone just looking at him. You can sense him kind of beginning to float up into the sort of the precinct and to be hit by lights. This is Angelic Jim. Um, <laughs> and all the other cops uh, and officers really, I suppose, have a little bit of a grudge against him at this stage. Yeah. But we do know that the pig has some respect and admiration for Jim and to some extent has been motivated by his um, his clear distinction between good uh, and evil, right and wrong. You oh, know? absolutely. So, it, it really definitely uh, puts everyone on edge here in the precinct, um, which I love the bloody boxes that come rolling in and the parcel delivery uh, really just um, are like, well, we deliver them. We don't question anything about the, the box. Plus, it's like, but it has blood dripping out of it. It's like, but we're delivering it to the cop shop. I know. It's like, we'll we'll de- literally deliver anything. I'd love to see the tagline for this delivery service. I love the uh, I love Harvey saying to them, um, did you not notice the stench of death? And the guy responds with, I have a cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is hilarious. What about the other six guys that are with you carrying these these 44 boxes into the GCPD? Um, really good stuff. And as you say, I love that this shifts the target back onto Jim from the rest of the GCPD agents here. That's not Pig's intention. Professor Pig's intention is to highlight that Jim Jim is the good cop. If you side with him, you'll be left alone. You don't take kickbacks from Penguin, you'll be left alone. Um, but it seems to, as you say, put the uh, put the light on Jim from the rest of them. Even Harvey is saying to him, well, you're safe here. We're not safe. I'm going to do anything I can to keep my head off the chopping block from, from Professor Pig. Yeah. Um, he says half the GCPD have left town <laughs> because they didn't want to wear bacon-flavored death masks. Mmm. <laughs> Bacon flavored. <laughs> I well, I suppose if it's the way to go, and you really enjoy a nice, good sort of rasher of bacon in the morning on toast, you know, a good bacon butty, then uh, maybe it's a good way to go. Well, sadly, the death mark goes on after you've had your head chopped ah, open, so unfortunately, you won't get to uh, t- taste the enjoyable bacon flavor. Great if you got fried eggs with it as well. Mm. <laughs> but it is really interesting. I love that they've set these these guys up against each other. And Penguin brings in Headhunter, this character. And I love the reason why he's bringing him in is because uh, Zaz has gone off to visit his booby, his his family. Uh, and so Zaz has gone off on holiday. Uh, Penguin's giving this reaction to this as going, I didn't even know this guy had family. Uh, you know, <laughs> why is he taking a holiday? And why has he left me with this guy, Headhunter, who is the cockiest assassin uh, yeah. i have ever seen so good it's my signature the two, the double tap uh which of course comes back to uh stab him in the neck and then in the gut mm-hmm. right at the end of the show but uh really good and uh, like he is just relishing his little nips and tucks with jim gordon he, he knows he's getting under his skin oh yeah um and he's enjoying it loads and i must say yeah this is a really nice little um cameo and i would say he is uh my person of the week yes, really in that definitely. sense i really enjoyed he just fitted in so nicely you know you could see him with penguin that they worked so well together and then uh, yeah, I, I must say the, the the witty sarcasm in which Penguin delivers it's my signature right at the end after knifing him in, in the neck and the stomach yeah. uh, as he does a double tap on the head hunter yeah. uh, is really, uh, really good. Yeah, I think though in the synopsis I called him the huntsman. 
No, no, I think you're headhunter. Okay, grand. You're okay. You're okay. Uh, the headhunter is actually a character from DC comic books. He is definitely the character of the week. We've been picking out a character each week that has only been in one episode. Uh, someone that stood out. Sometimes it's it's a person that just has one line in the episode, but that really stood out to us. But without a doubt, headhunter in this episode is someone really interesting. You can't take your eyes off him throughout the episode, whether you like him or not. Um, I think he's a really good standout character. But yeah. yes, he is a DC comic character, which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, I think the good thing about this whole. Um, Pighead delivery is it really sets off as well. Um, Jim and Harvey's continually strained relationship mm-hmm. after um, the hospital visit of Jim that really ended up not playing well for Harvey. You know, Jim is still there on top of him saying, you must reform, you must get back on the straight and narrow. Um, and this really sets off a fantastic interplay between these two partners of the GCPD yeah. through this episode, which I think, to me, this is a Professor Pig and it's a, a Jim and Harvey episode. It's really, really good. I totally agree with you. And the fact that Harvey completely undermines Jim in front of Penguin at the beginning of this episode, where Jim says, we will never, ever work with you. And Penguin responds with, well, that's not what your captain captain said, so you will be working with us. I don't care. And Harvey says, yeah, you're, as I said, it's not your head on the chopping block, Jim. So, um, so yeah, I like how this is playing out. I really, really, really enjoyed it. But let's take a little break from the GCPD. And for our case note two, let's talk about the sirens. Yeah, they have officially arrived. They have got their swagger on mm-hmm. um, and they are cutting it up in the dark uh, areas of Gotham, the alleyways, the warehouses, the the dodgy places of Gotham. You will find the sirens making a book or two. That was kind of a nice big bag of swag that Selena Kyle had managed to uh, take on board, but she did get trapped cat in a box Mm -hmm. and uh, she really did and needed the help of Tabitha well she did set off a car alarm so not the greatest cat burglar in the world if you if you can't break into a car without setting off steep learning curve steep learning curve definitely but it does bring us probably the best saw-like death that i've seen in a tv show um outside of walking dead where the one of the guards that's in there one of the criminals gets death by motorbike and that was pretty gruesome yeah that was pretty grim actually and that's the point where you uh, you know the camera pans back to selena where she's like oh shit you know it's really like uh-oh i'm in trouble these mm-hmm. guys are absolutely crazy but it's really good because, I mean, this relationship with the sirens anyway has been kind of slightly, has it been there, has it not, uh, What what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. that there's the definite um, sort of conflict and tension between Tabitha and Babs, given all the history that's gone on there. Um, the fact that Barbara anyway has been really focused on Rachel Ghoul and putting his plan into action in, uh, in Gotham, but now he has, is dead as yeah. far as she is aware. Then it, it's really like she was going to um, sell up shop uh, and move away. It was done and dusted, and you did have Cat uh, really trying to persuade her to to keep it going. Tabitha the same as well, trying to uh, sort of appeal to her better half the half that really made tabitha and barbara such a great team at the start of season three mm. i think um, tabitha's just really pissed off with her because she did lie to her again she convinced her to join up with barbara again even though she knew it was the wrong thing to do 
And she's now telling them, well, the only reason I did that is because Rachel Gould told me to be his eyes and ears in the city. And I thought the best way to do that was to get you two on board. Uh, see you later kind of thing. And Tabitha really isn't a person that likes to trust people. She never has been. Um, so the fact that she trusted Babs and is just told immediately that, well, there's nothing we can do here. This, is, this isn't something that we really needed to do. I thought it was quite interesting. There's a, a nice little line for, from, um, from Barbara, which is taken from Prince's song, Let's Go Crazy, where she goes, a lesson from Big Sis, in this life, you're on your own. Uh, which I thought was a nice little touch, where she's trying to get away from the relationship between Tabs and Cat. Uh, quite interesting. Yeah, but they definitely come uh, together uh, in an orgy of gunfire and blood. I must say, I really enjoyed uh, Barbara uh, coming in, just picking off the, what, the five or six uh, bikers Mm-hmm. Uh, who are part of this gang and then you've got then the formation of this sisterhood coming together i don't think it's actually being called the sirens as such as yet by them in the show but only, hopefully it's only because of the sirens lounge in the last yeah. season that we're referring to them that but way. certainly um i really uh hope to see this threesome uh start to make an impact on gotham Definitely. and certainly as well because we did talk about um leslie tompkins grundy and ed in the narrows mm-hmm. it, it's really good to begin to get these other circles of influence of of badness in, in a sense that that gotham has always had this idea of this single kingmaker in penguin yes it's there but it's also had so many other players um doing evil and rotten stuff as well and i think here this is going to be really interesting yeah. again it'll test jim's moral code because there is cat and uh barbara in there he'll probably leave them alone well. despite all their thievery uh, and uh, law breaking i'm not sure jim sounds like he's going on a proper attack again against gotham we'll see how it plays out in future uh, on to case note three enter the narrows so this is a this is a place that's been talked about quite a lot in gotham um we know it from from the movies uh, it's been used quite a lot in in uh, in the Christopher Nolan films where they're talking about the lower class citizens of Gotham, the people that don't have any money, the people outside of Bruce Wayne's sphere of influence, and generally the people under the protection of Bruce Wayne live in the Narrows because they have nothing, absolutely nothing. I really like this scene. I like that the GCPD and Penguin's men are teaming up together and they are brutally taking out the tenants and the and the residents of the Narrows, um, so much so that as they arrive, because they've been subject to this type of thing in the past, the tenants of the tenement block in the Narrows start throwing TVs out their window at them and start throwing uh, stuff out their window at them. I love that we have Headhunter taking two, two bits of equipment out with two guns as they fall towards him. I think that's a cool little moment. But yeah, they really don't want them there, do they? It really is like Baltimore uh, with the breakdown of trust um, and respect between communities and the police here. It, it really is. Well, the TV show The Wire of Baltimore, right? Well, not, yeah, not absolutely. <laughs> Although I think Baltimore uh, can be pretty dangerous um, in certain uh, districts. So, yeah, I mean, it really is like The Wire here um, in, in that sense. And my point being is that it absolutely makes sense that this can happen and it, it it's really good you know a lot of people might go this is far-fetched but you know this is really interesting that this relationship exists in, in gcpd um it didn't look quite like the narrows it looked like um sort of a warehousing old docklands thing it would have been nicer to have kind of gotten more of an idea of slums and uh, and so on or, or more tightly packed together right but sure that it's a tv filming location and so on and so it, it felt quite big to me it looked like these big warehouses right. 
but I, I really um, enjoyed the, the fact that they're in this new area of Gotham that we haven't really seen before. It's just been talked about, uh, and this is really where Pig has gone in to, um, you know, Pig has gone into the pigsty, really, uh, and he is sort of all the, this maze of of staircases, um, apartment blocks, uh, tenement areas, warehouses that he's able to move through uh, at, to hide himself, to, to manipulate, to really play the game of um, cat and mouse, really, with GCPD, I, I find really good. I mean, we see a lot of brutality here from the police, certainly from the, the headhunter, uh, and it really, uh, again puts a lot of tension between Jim. Jim is there trying to say, let's just talk to these people. Yeah. Let's get the information that we can. Uh, Harvey certainly is like, go on, lads, in you go, and start sweeping the area uh, without any real thought for um, people's property and so on. And certainly Penguin's men are absolutely relishing uh, being able to go in and beat people up, break things, steal things, and all this kind of stuff, you know. It really did kind of remind me of, like, the SS during World War II, grabbing people out of their apartments and just kicking them on the ground. There is that moment where Jim comes in and finds one of his men beating a resident of the Narrows on the ground outside of his apartment, asking him no questions, just kicking him repeatedly in the stomach. Like, what's the goal here? What's the, what are they trying to accomplish, you know? And um, that's where Jim's frustration comes in in this episode. And I think it's really well played. He's always had this frustration with the team in, in the GCPD. It's been something that's been brewing within him for years, and he's been trying to fix it year after year, season after season on this show. Um, this is the absolute embodiment of his problem. These guys who are willing to go in on the orders of the biggest criminal in Gotham, the self-proclaimed king of Gotham, um, and just beat up normal lower-class people in this city because they're asked to do it. They're not there getting information out. There's no questions being asked. So you can see the, how much this is affecting Jim um, as we go through. And I think, it's, I think it's a really good scene to identify that whole thing. Uh, I love how it plays out later on. The information is gotten by Headhunter being as terrifying as he is to this woman whose um, who's dying husband is being threatened with death by the headhunter, something that Jim wouldn't do, obviously. So would he have gotten the information? Um, I wouldn't be so sure about that. He does like a good threaten occasionally. I'm not sure he would threaten someone that's on a life support machine with death if his wife didn't no, talk. No, that, that, that's <laughs> true. That is true. But because this is so brutal, they get the information out. So, you know, it's kind of the point is, would Jim have won the day? if he didn't use Headhunter or if Headhunter wasn't there, you know? Um, I love that it leads into Penguin and Sophia's discussion where Penguin's going, I did that, I'm the one that found this information, this is all me, stupid GCPD. And Sophia's response is, my father would never have aligned himself to the GCPD because they will fail and they will take you down with them. Yeah, definitely. I really like that as well. And of course, it is this moment where they think they've found uh, an officer and Professor Pig and they've managed to kind of corner them in this building in the Narrows. Uh, and you have all the press out there and yet you have Penguin gloating outside. So it's all very good. And again, the tension between Jim and Harvey uh, really comes to the fore here, which obviously we'll get to in our next case note. Case note four. Yeah, here Jim, through... Uh, failing finally gets through to the team in the GCPD. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the GCPD, Harvey, are no longer listening to him. They are on full-blown taking orders from penguins. They feel they've cornered the pig, and in they go. Jim is cautioning them against doing this. He 
thinks and believes that this is a trap that the pig is way too cunning mm-hmm. um to to have uh, done this um deliberately to have trapped himself and and so you really get here the the GCPD rushing headlong in to save uh, what they think is the officer and to kill or capture the pig. They shoot the pig and it ends up being the officer um, that has been kidnapped previously. The, the, the officer is simply just a blow-up doll and then bish bash bosh, uh, out come the big guns as they fall into this kind of killing zone trap that yeah. pig has left for them with the 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 revolving uh, turret guns, turret guns. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh, and, and a lot of the officers get cut down but obviously there are those that are kind of hiding and, and trying to survive this bloodshed and it's only then that jim coming in blowing his way through the turret guns with um, a rocket yeah, launcher yeah real hero That's moment here for yeah. jim um that it's it's just really well played because yeah you ultimately before this you see this breakdown between uh, Jim and Harvey which I just really really enjoyed I thought it was great to see this kind of final breakup to an extent because what I found was that uh, after Jim comes in and saves everyone and whilst he doesn't say it it is a kind of I told you so moment and um, he doesn't say it like that I love the response of Harvey um, back in the GCPD I think Donald Lowe played this so so well He he's not suddenly sucking up to Jim it does look like their partnership seems to have been really damaged here by mm-hmm. what's gone on in the narrows over the course of this day it's a resignation of well listen to him you know he's the cop in town I'm just the cop that shot a cop yeah and it it's a really good moment because you know a lot of other shows could have made that they're all made up and you know really sorry so i feel his response is really really genuine here mm-hmm. yeah totally agree with you i think this is a really good scene that's, that's something that was said about donald Logue earlier on in the season that you can give him a line about eating a sandwich or you can give him a line like this where he's saying i'm a cop killer now I shouldn't be the one to lead you effectively is what he's saying to the team in the GCPD. Um, listen to Jim. He's the real cop here. Um, there is this moment where you go, okay, Donald Logue can act in any situation in this show. He can really do anything. And this is a really good scene. Speaking of good scenes, one that we kind of skipped over or glossed over during this is the scene between Officer Fazoli, which is Professor Pig dressed up as one of the police officers and Jim in the back of the ambulance. Um, I really love this scene. It's a great moment for Jim to actually get a little bit off his chest where he's saying to Officer Fazoli that there's so much rot in Gotham that it gets to him. Even he gets to his breaking point at times or has gotten to his breaking point at times. He also is not beyond reproach, which I'm wondering whether that will bite him in the ass later on from Professor Pig because he seems to look up and respect Jim so much. And Jim has just admitted to him that he has even worked for Penguin in the past. So I like the ownership that he's taking of that, though. Um, It's something that we've talked about a few times about Jim being self-righteous, but I like the fact that he is taking ownership of some of this. Yeah, finally we get the admission of guilt from Jim. Uh, and But he takes ownership of it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important step for Jim as a character that that's happened, um, to be honest. I think the fact that it happens in front of uh, Professor Pig disguised as Officer Fazoli is really good. I mean, that moment where he removes all the uh, prosthetics and makeup mm-hmm. is such a great moment here. Um, and I do think that he is a great character in this show um is professor pig 
as I said during the last podcast, I think the fact that he is he is not enhanced in any way, he doesn't have superpowers, he's not been exposed to Indian Hill. He's just a clever guy using the same kind of techniques as Batman. Ultimately, he's taken a moniker, and um, he's doing disguise he's doing investigative work he's laying traps he's using technology all this kind of stuff he is almost like the um reverse of batman in that sense in terms of his methods Mm -hmm. in the sense that he will kill and he will do it for a reason absolutely certainly how it's been set up here so it's a really interesting character here i do like that penguin takes the credit for the the operation that finally gets them to the point where and um, they think they've cornered Professor Pig in in the courthouse in in the Narrows, um, where he calls him the notorious PYG, <laughs> the notorious Pig. That's right. Yeah, just like the notorious BIG. Very yeah. cool. Um, but that was very very good. And just a point about that: there is that call from Professor Pig, where he does call out, just like in the in the comic books, he didn't take the name from a pig. He took the name from Pygmalion, a play about transformation. And he's saying to Jim, "I'm going to force you to change." but I can't force you to change if you're dead. Um, so he's going to make him change and see Professor Pig's side of things, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. They've, ta- they've done that. I wonder if it will be elocution lessons or electrocution lessons. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I mean, I think here Pig's plan is epic in its plot and in its scope and you know it is a spectacle and jim ultimately is his muse here Mm -hmm. jim is this um is the person he is obsessed on and is the absolute motivation and muse for everything he is doing and it will be really interesting to see how maybe that collapses you know will it be that jim ultimately uh is even more honest with professor pig about how he has dealt with the dark side of Gotham and being complicit in it in the same way that Harvey has been here you know and Pig suddenly realizes maybe he's not the shining star that he he used to think he was but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah and it's interesting because this is playing into the eternal question for Batman as to whether his presence in the city of Gotham created someone like the Joker, uh, created his greatest enemy. So for Jim now, this is the question that is going to be plaguing him because of his presence in Gotham and his push to kill and take out the people who are under the influence of Penguin. Has that created someone like Pig who realized Jim wasn't getting the job accomplished? Maybe I can do a better job if I go this strong and this forceful. So quite interesting to see how that plays out. But I'm really glad they brought that in from the Batman side into Jim Gordon now. So we'll see how this goes. They're kind of a kind of a mirror image of each other. Um, so interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I think with that on to case note five. Party um, Bruce. Party Bruce indeed. Yes. Wild child drinker wearing sunglasses in a nightclub where will the fun and frolics end this is so interesting i love how it starts out with the discussion between bruce and alfred where bruce is completely detached at the charity ball or charity function that's in wayne manor at the beginning of the episode and the reason he's completely detached is because he's killed a man now he's killed rachel ghoul um who did disintegrate into a skeleton obviously um so there's kind of a detached feeling from bruce here he's kind of wondering how am i supposed to deal with this it's not like i had a few for somebody it's not like i shouldn't have killed a guy my rage took over and i killed him um alfred having the conversation with him where he's saying unless you face your anger it will consume you so being that staying hand again with with bruce which is always a great purpose for alfred but i do really really enjoy it 
Yeah, definitely. We really get to see, um, you know, a few people from uh, Bruce's school past as well. We get um, Grace Blumdahl. He meets up uh, with a brooding Bruce uh, and invites him to hang out with friends, which includes Tommy Elliot. Yes. It's not played by the same guy, unfortunately. Not called um, And to be honest, I didn't really get a sense. Um, there was that initial moment where Bruce recognizes Tommy Elliot as the guy who yeah, had previously um, been bullying him and Bruce had sort of hit back with his fists. But it, it's really Tommy Elliott's friends who is the kind of, you know, the, the bad guy in this group. Who's, Brandt. Yeah. yeah, Brandt, who is really just being a bit of an arse, I suppose. Such a deal. Um, and is dispatched, I think, fairly well as a billionaire can, where Bruce really throws his weight uh, and money around uh, and the name of the Waynes to really kind of show up Brandt um, as such a douchebag. And But I, I, I think... Um, it'll be interesting to see, is this just Tommy Elliot because it's there to show um, and drive party Bruce forward, or will we get some kind of a meaningful connection between Bruce Wayne and Tommy Elliot? Because I think within this episode, it really is just simply, this is just a minor kind of connection back to the past. Well, I think because Grace Blintow uh, didn't exist in the show before, we've never seen her in the show before. Uh, we've never really seen Bruce interact with anybody other than Selena and Silver St. Cloud. So the only person he's interacted before with is Tommy Elliot who they turned into a bully in season one um, in the comic books Tommy Elliot is his only friend from childhood who becomes something quite significant in the future but um, I'd like to see them start to play on that you know I like that Tommy calls out yeah I was a bit of a d-bag the last time you met me back in school you know you were right to punch me you know um, I like that he calls that out so I'm hoping there'll be a little bit of a friendship developed out of this with Bruce throwing his waiter in and buying the club as he as he's getting turned away from his friends how cool is that yeah that's, that's what billionaires do it's very cool but one thing I did want to call out is with Brandt that moment of wish fulfillment when Brandt is slagging off at Alfred, which you do not do in front of Bruce. Brant is saying to him, is that butler, that old butler guy, is he still butling around? Are you butling together? And then we have that moment of wish fulfillment as Bruce jumps across the room and beats him to the ground and then it cuts back and it's a it's a moment of dream, of daydream, which I yeah. think is really cool. I love to see That's that. very cool. And of course, you know, Bruce buying the nightclub here it really uh, links into, I think, Batman Begins where Christian Bale buys the hotel uh, and all the restaurant, all yeah. the Dark Knight is it, I think, but where he um, he's playing around in the, the the water feature in the hotel lobby with members of the Russian ballet, yes. uh, and he's saying it doesn't matter. I own this hotel. It's so it, it's really connecting into that debonair playboy side of Bruce Wayne's sort of smoke and mirrors. Really, it's yeah. really going into this. And I mean, you know, certainly then, wow, you know, off goes the party. It's rocking. It's raving. There's a lot of underage drinking going on, yeah. which, you know, I can't say I didn't do that when I was uh, that age. But it's champagne rather than, like, Buckfast or Diamond <laughs> Diamond, Diamond White, White under the railway bridge. Uh -huh. um, and so remember, so, Bruce is, like, 15, 16 here, and it's, yeah, it's 21s in the US. You know, maybe yeah. Gotham's a little bit different. But. I think it would have been strange me popping a champagne cork underneath the railway yeah. arches in Ormskirk, I think, <laughs> going, pop. Um, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, it's full on. He's really kind of starting to develop um, this party Bruce side. Oh, it'd be interesting to see how far they take this. I mean, is it that he's developing party Bruce or is it simply a release 
from what's happened with uh, Rachel Gould uh, and with the death of the professor at the Natural History Museum yeah. and his son. You know, that that's still weighing heavily, and this is kind of an escape here. Well, I think much like Alfred's advice to him about having to face your anger or else it will consume you, there's a lot of things that Bruce always has to deal with that may consume him. And I think this moment when he talks to Grace and just becomes party Bruce for the night, this isn't a mask yet. This is something that he's going to have to learn to balance with the rest of his life as well. But he could easily become this character who just goes out drinking every night and sleeps in all day because he doesn't have anything else to do. So um, he's not fighting crime anymore because of what happened with Raish. So potentially this is something that will consume Bruce for a while and we will see a dark storyline. Yeah. But interesting, really, really cool. I loved the touch with the music choices for the episode. So as they walk into the into the bar, there's um, a song by Spandau Ballet, which which is playing, and the main lyric of it is "I don't need the pressure on," which is uh, which is very much what Bruce is feeling. And then when he takes over the club and takes over the club, not just buys it, when he owns the club and owns the dance floor. Yeah, it's it's the Prodigy song Spitfire. So it's really like he's a powder keg ready to explode, and this is his explosion in the middle of this party club. It looks like a cool place. Wouldn't mind visiting that if I went to Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, John, overall moment of the week for me, I think it's Party Bruce. I think that's a really, really cool moment. Um, it's something that we've been waiting for Bruce to see that side of him for for a while. Any other big moments of the week for you? Um, I think for me, it was the moment where uh, Harvey, back in the precinct, in a resigned way, says, yeah, Jim's the hero here, I'm just a cop killer. But just the whole way it's played out by Harvey Bullock, it is certainly doesn't seem to me as though there has been a forgive and forget here from from Harvey. Mm -hmm. He seems kind of fairly bruised and battered and shaded by the whole thing. And I don't necessarily think, and I certainly hope not, that in the next episodes, Jim and Harvey are back to their, their old partnership ways. I hope this has lingering consequences. And I hope that maybe it's the, the kickoff point of really developing Harvey as a character that we saw back in season one, yeah. rather than simply having him as doing you know okay we also did the bulkism of the week and it was great fun but it's nice to see this side of the the interactions between jim and harvey mm -hmm. so uh, that was my moment of the week yeah and party bruce was excellent as well yeah. um, and for me the character of the week is headhunter uh, played by kyle vincent terry uh, i just loved the this assassin working with the penguin you know this whole the double tap that he keeps going on you know and in the end you're getting rolling eyes from penguin from jim and from everyone else uh, the fact that he keeps telling everybody it's like i have my signature this is my signature yeah. and they keep overhearing him saying it to other people as well it's yeah. very funny and um just the fact then that when penguin slices and dices him at the end with his knife and he does it once in the neck and once in the stomach and he goes it's a double tap it's my signature yeah really really good yeah very cool john overall how would you rate this episode of gotham for me another really strong episode of gotham and a great episode of professor pig in here i loved how it moved into um almost how you know professor pig the penguin and his licensing system and jim and harvey's relationship are all kind of together here and they're all putting pressure on jim and harvey uh, and really beginning to tear them apart um i really like that so i think for me 
I would give this four and a half piggy heads in a box out of five. Nice, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be about, I'd be around there with you. Yeah, I think this you know, is one of, the, one of the stronger episodes of the season so far. Definitely, and this season has been very strong. Yeah, we can't um, give fives to everything. No, we can't. Um, but this was really, really good. I like to see that the sirens are kind of back in town. It's great to get something on that. You know, again with Sophia and Penguin. I quite like the idea that she kind of stood up to him here saying you shouldn't really be doing this rather than it feeling as though she's kowtowing to him. Yeah. But again, they need to move that along, I think, for me, um, definitely. So, uh, yeah, another solid, strong episode of Gotham for me. Yeah, that didn't feel like a central part of the story this week. It just felt like it was touching on it, which is good. I think, to think if you're going to keep it as a story for a long term, keep it in the background for a little while and then... Uh, bring it back out as a big story and do something with it in future but really cool i guess on to feedback our first piece of feedback came in by voicemail from claire payne where she went through our website at gothamtvpodcast.com and you can you can do that and leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about any of the episodes hello gotham tv podcast i really like the heavy police content in this episode with the gcpd and the strike force hunting down professor pig even though Professor Pig did not feature as much as last week's episode, his presence felt really strong, like a thriller. I did not spot he was the police officer in the ambulance with Jim, and that was genius, and I'm glad Jim came out as a hero, even though the relationship between Jim and Harvey is severely fractured. Party boy Bruce Wayne was good, and it showed really well how he, how he channeled his anger. One question, did Bruce own the club, or did he buy it when he spoke to the manager? Really like how Tabitha has got Selena's back and she isn't putting up with Barbara, but Barbara realising that she does want to stay in business with Tabby and Selena. I really like the gradual realisation amongst the GCPD officers that maybe Pax Pangarina is not good after all. Mr. Headhunter was an interesting head of security, which made me value Zaz and his professionalism as an assassin. Oswald getting used to the little people in his life is very funny. Um, I really hope Detective Harper stays around in the GCPD because she's a great addition. Um, my scene of the episode is Professor Pig removing his prosthetics while talking to Jim on the cell phone. Really clever twist. My favourite line when Professor Pig explains to Jim how he spells his name. Thank you for the great podcast, Claire. Thank you so much, Claire. It's really good to know that you value the work of a professional assassin uh, <laughs> rather than a slightly less professional yes. assassin. Don't annoy Claire. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, but she'll get the right assassin, which yeah. is good. Yeah, and to your point about Bruce Wayne, yeah, I think he does buy the club. He makes the point to Brandt that the club owner or the bouncer does know who he, who he is. He just doesn't care. Whereas Bruce Wayne's name carries much more weight in the city of Gotham. He definitely talks to the manager separately. And I think he buys the club there and then, just like he did in, in Batman Begins, where he bought the restaurant there and then uh, when somebody refused him what he wanted to do. So uh, just a nice little callback to, to that type of Bruce Wayne character. Yeah, and the fact of Professor Pig taking off the cosmetics, taking off the prosthetics, uh, and, and so on. So really, cool. really cool. Um, and yet yeah, the Pygmalion uh, story, as opposed to him just being a pig and a nasty old swine and hog, it, it is really good. And I really hope they keep Officer Harper as well. I think she's a really good addition here uh, to the GCPD precinct. Yeah. It almost, to me, feels as though, you know, she absolutely is with Jim and, and could be um, an internal affairs type of person or maybe major crimes unit. Who knows? And even the other detective uh, at the end where, you know, in the precinct, I can't remember his name, but where he says, 
no, we're not accepting these anymore. And he is the one that rips up the, the license. Yep. I thought he had that nice little journey in this episode where he went from being shut up, Jim. Uh, and kicking the guy on the ground. Yeah, to having the message hit home, really, um, of of the fact of, Actually, what his job is, is to uphold the law, uh, and Pax Penguina is not upholding the law at all here. I do like that statement that, that Jim makes to the, uh, to the press, where effectively the only thing he says to them is, if Professor Pig is listening, the GCPD are coming for you, which is effectively saying, we're now united behind this one goal, which is taking you down. Claire also adds on Facebook um, over on our group, which you can join by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Claire says and adds, I would like Sophia Falcone plans to be revealed and find out exactly what she is up to by using Clayface. I think Oswald would need to pick up on something that all of a sudden he didn't trust what she was saying or discover how close Sophia is to Jim. So Clayface Jim, love this version of Jim, would make a return under Oswald's instructions. I really like how they've used Clayface in the past seasons. This probably will never happen, but it is a fun idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea of using Clayface in this way, as has been done uh, previously mm-hmm. in, in yeah. Gotham. And it, it's a it's a nice way of keeping that, that flow of this character within this series. And it would really, I think, advance this storyline. Um, because otherwise, it's, it's going to probably be that shock, horror, revelatory moment of walking in on Jim and Sophia in her lounge or something yeah yeah but uh, the other thing is unfortunately sophia is also not telling jim anything either it's not like she's sharing her plan with him so she does seem to play everything close to her chest i do like the idea of of uh, using clayface jim uh, in future that was a cool version of the character really really enjoyed that but um not sure if if he would get much out of it since she's as closed off with jim as she is with uh, as she is with penguin thanks for that claire We also got an email in from Monica Jones over at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. She says, with this episode, I loved the orphan who stood in Penguin's way more than I think I've ever loved a a no-line character before. My favorite line of the episode was Penguin saying, the second shot is my signature. I hate that character and was elated to see him gone so soon. We didn't even mention the young girl in this episode in uh, Penguin's house where he can't get her out of the way of the TV and just keeps picking her up and moving her out of the way. Hilarious. Really well played by Robin Lord Taylor. Very funny moment. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Monica, for, for the feedback there. And of course, yes, we did have a great birthday in Dublin. Thank you. Over on Facebook, um, Jason Wiley goes, Hello, drunken Bruces. Uh, <laughs> loved this episode. It felt like a mid-season finale. So much porky goodness. I thought the introduction of Grace was pretty good and the new Tommy was a welcome addition. He looks the part. I was also digging the whole grandstanding between Penguin, Harvey and Jim before the trap. But at the end of the episode, my heart was breaking seeing Harvey become consumed by the dark side to a point of no return. It was fun seeing Bruce hit party mode like Christian Bale and him putting on those shades like Tom Cruise in Risky Business. Special mention to that motorbike death scene that was straight out of the Saw film. Good stuff. Nice. Yeah, yeah definitely. Enrique Recuro goes, I also like seeing Bruce slip on the billionaire playboy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A great moment here um, of Bruce becoming party Bruce. Definitely. Really like that uh, that call out from Jason Wiley about Tom Cruise and Risky Business. <laughs> with the uh, with the Ray-Ban shades as he kicks Grant out of his brand new club. Really nice moment. Yep, thanks for those pieces of feedback over on Facebook. Just one that came in over on Twitter from John W. Garns who says, who asked the question really, did Gordon 
Gwyn's insistence on ridding Gotham of corruption make a villain like Pig? I think we talked about this in the episode, but I do want to call out John because we had a really interesting discussion about that uh, over on Twitter. I do absolutely feel that this is a follower or a disciple of Jim, someone that totally and truly believes in Jim's idea, but just is taking it too far. Yes. Thank you, John, for that. It's really good. Anna, Enrique, and Jason. Remember, you can follow us as we live tweet over at Gotham TV Podcast. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Facebook again. Pop on over to the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV Podcast. And all there is is three little entry keys of three little questions yes yes just very simple just uh, just answer the questions and you'll be in the group thanks so much for joining us and um, we have heard when our first break in season of gotham is going to be it'll be for thanksgiving uh, which is in the u.s is the 23rd of november so a couple more episodes before the first break uh, in the season we don't know how long it's going to be on break for yet but if you want to join us for some other podcasting come on over to defenders tv podcast where we're reviewing thor ragnarok uh, this week the episode will be out later on this week so uh, come and join us for another episode with our co-host chris yes and of course we are building on defenders tv podcast as well to the netflix marvel the punisher series so um if you like your blood and guts from gotham maybe the punisher is something to uh investigate where there is also blood and guts maybe a bit more serious I think it will um, and, and less of the Batman 66 kind of world but nonetheless um, we will be over there as well as always please listen rate and subscribe and share the love for our podcasts over on any good podcast catcher google play or apple podcasts you can just head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com and go on the right hand side where there is the subscribe panel Mm -hmm. and thanks for joining us so much for this episode we'll be back next week with our episode eight of season four of gotham stop hitting yourself which airs on the 9th of november i'm going for my signature double tap Thanks. Talk to you again next time. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we will speak with you again next time. Bye. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast.